With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Adventures in Isochronology, where we watch the Ecclesia wake up from her history in real time. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. It is a pleasure to be with you here tonight as we dive ever deeper into the riddle of isochronology. We are your host, Ben Lawrence and Matthew Miller. It is going to be a doozy tonight, I think. But, uh, Ben, let's get your comments. Hello, it's good to be with everybody. Uh, (laughs) Doozy, that's a pretty good word for it this is a uh this is a loaded chapter as they all are when you're um hanging on the details but we'll uh do the best we can with it amen amen that we shall that we shall so did you want to pick up reading tonight i think i read first last time i'm not sure but uh whichever you would prefer sure happy to do that uh, Genesis 19, I, uh, have the ESV open. Is that okay? That is perfectly acceptable. Okay. I'll just start here with the first, uh, stanza. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, my lords, please turn us servant's house. And spend the night and wash your feet, and you may rise up early and go on your way. And they said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. And he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked them unleavened bread, and they ate. Well, this opening diatribe is rather strange because you're getting the idea that uh, they had no intention of saving Lot or his family, correct? Yeah, that's strongly implied there. It is heavily implied there. And all the while this is going on, of course, Abraham is, uh, well, (laughs) going back and forth, uh, riddling the Lord about how many he would uh, spare the city for. So this is, wow, this is is off the charts that uh, Lot just happened to be there. Uh, he urged them to come spend the night with him, offer hospitality. And 
very interesting way to open up this diatribe. Um, you're, you, you have to realize that God has already set the date for the next day. So they get there ahead of time, waiting for the sun to go down. And right at twilight time, this diatribe takes place. And I find that pretty interesting that most people don't talk about that, that nobody ever said that Job was going to be, or a lot was going to be spared. They never said it. He forced the issue and got them to come home. Now this, of course, unravels a series of events, but we're not told what's going on in the background between the Lord and these two angels. We have no idea. <laughs> but what's what's your thoughts on it? Well, first, I, I, the um, first thing that comes to mind is that the greeting uh, between Lot and these two um, entities is not very much unlike the greeting that Abraham had extended to uh, in the previous chapter. Um, it's it's exactly the same approach that he takes with these entities that. That Abraham did, and um, I find it interesting also that uh, where Lot was, uh, to your point, um, you know, Proverbs is a, an extremely prophetic book uh, when you look at the details, and um, how often does the gate come up in, in that particular book, um, much less the square? Um, isn't there a particular diatribe about wisdom calling out in the city square, um, which is literally what happens in the book of Nehemiah? Don't they recite the law in the square and everyone hears it? But that's exactly where these two entities intended to be. And I find that location, uh, the gate and the square, extremely important in addition to the fact that he insisted that they come spend a night with him, wash their feet. And he gave them unleavened bread, which unleavened bread, that just reminds me of the Passover, right? Well, it's, you can't get away from it. Of course it reminds you of the Passover. Why on earth did he fix them unleavened bread? Why would you do that? It, right. it, 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 we're not given the insight here. And it may it begs the question: Is there any insight to be gained? It truly does make you wonder if this isn't the whole purpose for the unleavened bread in the first place. Because the only reason why you would do that is if you prepared this bread in haste. Now, take note of verse four: Before they lie down. Now, remember what time is this? It's at twilight time. They should have already eaten. So they're making the bread in haste. Did that stand out to you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's and again, it, it, it runs parallel. Now, the previous chapter doesn't mention that detail, but I always just assumed that that was also unleavened bread because she was tasked with doing it um, as quick as she could. She wouldn't have waited for it to rise, right? Well, what did he tell her? He told her to knead it, correct? Knead out three cakes. 
Yeah, never yeah, said, never said to apply the leavening agent. Tim, how do you make bread for Pete's sakes? How do you do it? You have to wait for it to rise, correct? Yeah. So this just makes you wonder. <laughs> it, it it makes you wonder if this is not the whole purpose in the future when the law is laid down about the unleavened bread. It had everything to do with this. Oh, amen. Uh, there's, I don't think there's any um, any question about it. And as I said, it's the um, the request made by Lot is very much what his uncle had did in the previous chapter, and his wife is obviously doing the same thing that his uh, aunt had done in the previous chapter as well. It's it's very plain, and it it, it makes you wonder. Well, once again, you're looking for insight when there may not be any to be had because this was obviously a family thing, right? Uh Is this one of the reasons why Abram was chosen in the first place? Because uh, it was a family tradition to extend hospitality and, you know, to, uh, to extend hands to sojourners? Uh, because here you have it. I, I mean, there's no no escaping it. No one else in the square came up and offered them lodging, except Lot. That's right. That's right. And maybe it was this family tradition that saved all their skins. Literally saved all their skins because they were they were hospitable. I mean, they were certainly unknowing of the Lord their God. So whatever they were doing wrong was in obvious ignorance. But it seems to me that uh, they were obviously uh, had been trained uh, to be very hospitable to sojourners, to travelers. Uh, And this really, uh, really stands out to me because uh, we know that uh, the Bible speaks many times of who was at the gate. It was the leaders that would stay by the gate. Uh, We know that multiple chapters, multiple books. And no one else extended them lodging, except Lot. So it stands out to me like a sore thumb. Oh, absolutely. Just as I said, uh, well, uh, to your point, um, the manner in which you judge, you will be judged. And their hospitality and kindness, um, that just... Yeah, there you see the the reciprocity um, in the way that they are treated by these uh, by these entities in this chapter. It's, it's plain, and everyone who partook of that meal also would partook in that mercy, just as in the previous chapter. I mean, I'm sure that Sarah and the lad um, and the rest of the men um, probably sat and ate too, right? And we can infer that just as with the Passover. That um, that whole household sat and ate, and right. just as this whole household sits right. and eats, and they all partake in well, that. Well, you're really talking about this this rising or this fermenting into the most beautiful time of the Last Supper. Yeah. 
You even have a mention of the washing of the feet, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, so you you have to back up and realize that this is absolutely wonderful what we're reading here. You know, and I've had so many people over the years, the decades, ask me that. Well, why the unleavened bread? Well, why do you want to do it? Why do you want to do that? Wow. I mean, I've always stated, wow. You don't remember anything, do you? <laughs> when God remembers everything. We talked about this on the last broadcast. Yeah. And, uh, well, it is a beautiful thing. That's all I have to state about it. So shall we continue? Do you want me to read the next part? Mm -hmm. uh, if you want, that's fine, or I can do it. It doesn't matter. Okay, then uh, continue on. I do have one question because, you know, I did mention the square, and um, did you have anything? Um, I know you've got more insight, but any anything that we can elaborate on with that that might be helpful to the listener? Well, I, I certainly do, especially in the time to come. We're getting ready to cover things that uh, is going to mimic the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne, the six seal event, Isaiah chapter 24, the whole nine yards. And here he's prophetically showing you, and certainly uh, the alphanumerics are all over this chapter. Uh, and we'll talk about them as, as we approach those verses, but... Here he's letting you know that we're going to go back to creation being squared. And a lot of people don't understand what that means. Ladies and gentlemen, because we're on a 23.4 degree, or shall I more appropriately say, from the ecliptic, from what is square, what is a flat plane, we're inclined 66.6 .6 degrees. In order for that to be squared... In the heavens, you need to understand that the ecliptic is the orbital path of the planet. So our equator is off of that. This creates a pivot point in the heavens that facilitates when the two days of the year that the day and night are of equal length. Squaring the Earth will mean that we'll, we'll be at a zero degree axis. So there's a whole lot there mechanically that he's wanting you to see. And he's wanting you to see that it's pretty well your choice. All these inferences here, everything that I brought up was in lieu of that. You need to understand that when this day comes, it's going to all be about the choices you have made. Lot alone chose to approach those that would bear the wrath of God. He alone chose to offer them hospitality, even though he had no idea that these two were his and his family's due. Now, it's obvious these two angels were rather put off with Lot when questioned which land he would rather have. Lot chose over Abram and took the good land. And then he wound up living here amidst the wicked and the ungodly that was about to have the wrath of God come down on their heads. 
So make no mistakes about it. These two angels knew all of this, and they were probably very incensed. That is why they didn't immediately volunteer to go to his house. Verse 3, yet he urged them strongly. He had to convince them. So, uh, with that in mind, these events taking place in the square, it certainly is going to take place in the square. So, Ben, back to you. Amen, and it's a it's a very good point that when we talk about these these entities, I mean, he talks about it in the scripture the that uh, heavenly council is not in agreement with the way that he's doing things because they look at us and see the choices that we make and it just they can't understand it they cannot understand what we do and seeing it it just it it just goes they it's something they can't comprehend and you know faced with that they uh they would adjudicate things uh quite a bit differently left to their own devices and and you do see that from time to time um in particular chapters where you'll see, well, let's look at the Exodus angel, right? The Lord left it up to, said, you can, you know, you better not do anything that he doesn't like because he doesn't have to forgive you, right? That's right. And, you know, we need to get to the crux of the matter. I really wasn't planning on discussing this, but you've pushed me. And that's really all I need is a just a little push. But, ladies and gentlemen, you need to come to grips with this. You're about to find out why God didn't believe the host of heaven. Particularly, most probably, although we do not know, it's above our pay grade, probably these two very angels had told the Lord their God what was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God obviously said, no, I don't believe you this time. There's no way this could possibly be happening. They know what I did last time. They know I literally kicked creation off its axis. No one would be this stupid. And you need to come to grips with what they were doing, ladies and gentlemen. We're about to find out what was going on. The New Testament states it very plainly. The angels had found a catch-22. You see, the first time, they took wives. But this time, they were just not protecting themselves. They were allowing themselves to be raped. And we're about to read about it. And God was obviously like, there's no way. I'm, And you'll have to remember, Ben and I read it to you, God himself said, I will go down there and look for myself, and then I will know. He didn't believe what the angels had reported to him, because he did not believe there's no way anybody would be that stupid. So you better come to grips with what is coming. This is why all this has happened. So now you have another insight, ladies and gentlemen. These two angels were not in a very good mood. And that is why Lot had to urge them strongly. Because angels aren't like you and I. Oh no, they're not like you and I. And when they see a whore, they don't call it something else. When they see a liar, they don't sugarcoat it. It is the Lord God of hosts. 
that proclaims that mercy rejoices over judgment, not the angels. This is what they're for. So, with that in mind, Ben, any comments? If not, let us continue. Well, just just two things to your point. Um, forgive me, listeners, but uh, to Matthew's point, I, I already mentioned the Exodus angel, but you also have that interesting discourse between David and the angel that's holding that sword between heaven and earth and is getting ready to smite the city. And he asked God for forgiveness, and then the angel himself there in, in Chronicles 20 uh the angel himself answers and says, you better go see Ornan, and this is what you better do about it. That was the angel himself telling him what to do. The Lord had already told the angel to stop. And to this whole point, I, you know, going back, you know, we, we talk about the 144,000 over and over and over again. But ladies and gentlemen, this is literally why... Um, those hosts of heaven are replaced with two-year-old children because you try to take a two-year-old away from his mother and you haven't seen angry. Um, they have a love and an affection for their mother that you just can't. Well, it's, it's easier to just see it than to try and describe it. And, the host are going to be replaced with something which is going to actually love the bride. And that's exactly why you see that take place. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, well, there's not really a whole lot to say to that, but to continue and find out what's going to happen, because here it's coming. It's, Amen. It's coming both barrels. All right, so reading here in verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called a lot. Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said, this man, this fellow, came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping at the door. And there you have it. There you have it right there. You know, let's, let's, let's go to the text that I mentioned earlier. It states in Jude that, and the angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. Ladies and gentlemen, that word for keep and no translation does it right. That is G5083, Taros. It is to guard. They did not protect. They didn't protect it. 
Now, let me finish. But abandon their proper abode, he is kept in eternal bonds, under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Just as in, this in the Greek means, as happened in Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Period. Period. These two angels just protected themselves from, well, what? Now, now what will really get you it, it is, listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody knew what they were going to acquire. Before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, surrounded the house both young and old. Then it goes one step further. All the people from every quarter, everybody wanted to get their hands on that cedaru seed, that iron, spermata. Everybody knew what it was going to produce. Everybody wanted it. And this is why the wrath of God was coming down on this valley. And, you know... The answer to this riddle is staring you right in the face in the book of Job. He comes right out and tells you what happens. Literally, they were not protecting themselves. They would come down here and allow themselves to be raped. Now, this is why you have incidents of these earthborn, as is properly translated in the book of Enoch, it's properly translated, not giants, it's translated earthborn, was involved even unto the time of David. Make no mistakes about it, Goliath was no farther than one of these earthborn than four generations. We know that straight from the law. In the fifth generation, they would become clean. So, this is just, well, it's a lot to take in. It is a lot to take in. But, you have to come to grips with even the children. The entire town came to get their hands on these two angels. And what is astonishing is, is that uh, they were under the assumption that the angels were going to let them do it. And Lot had intended to keep these angels for themselves. That's what made him so mad. Even the children, ladies and gentlemen, even the children. Ben? Well, amen. And um, <laughs> the act itself is um, is shocking. But, um, you know, my first, the first time I remember reading this was, had to be first or second grade. And I remember reading about the daughters being offered and, you know, even at that young age, feeling like that, what, what an inhumane thing to do. And you have to, you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that, that Genesis 19 runs parallel with Judges 19. And we don't have time to do Judges 19 tonight, but you'll take note that in Genesis 19, these two virgin daughters are not harmed. And in Judges 19, the concubine 
who had refused to return to her husband's house, um, she gets ravaged until morning. And what you're supposed to understand here is the, is the um, uh, inversion of, of acts. In other words, the virgin, not, and forget about sex, just think about virgin meaning keeping yourself pure, keeping yourself clean, um, was safe. And the one that um, was out not doing what she was supposed to do um, was not kept safe. And that's the, that is the, um, that's the distinction there. Uh, the other thing that I find interesting beyond, you know, we could spend all night on what, what Matthew, what you just said, but the other thing is the comment that the crowd makes that the sojourner has come to judge. Uh, this is literally, um, the exact same discourse that you see between, um, in Exodus between, uh, Moses and the Israelites when they see that he kills the, the Egyptian guard, um, and we see it other places as well. Um, there's a number of places in Scripture where we see um, the actions of these sojourners. Um, and it's uh, really a picture of ultimately where things end up, because ultimately that sojourner is going to be the one judging, not not the, the power that's in place, because all those things are going to be torn down. Um, you mentioned earlier about the earth going back to its right axis, but in that act, um, any man-made building is going to come down. He tells you on that day that there's no difference between the king and the baker and uh, the soldier. And, and it, there's there's no distinction between people. And if your EMP vehicle and your rations, none, none of those things are going to work. None of those things are going to make you any different than anyone else. Um, but the meek will inherit the earth. And that sojourner who didn't have a place to rest their head, that, that is going to be the one that, that ultimately is judging. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I need to bring this up. We've already read these verses and and talked about them. But everybody needs to realize that the Hebrew language is an alphanumerical language. It always has been. It never had Arabic numerals in it. It don't have one, twos, and threes. You need to realize that verse 2 and verse 4 in the Hebrew when you convert those letters to numbers, as is natural to do, both of those verses have the 1,335-day sequence. He's literally telling you, this is how it's going to be when time goes topsy-turvy. And uh, the book of Asaph is replete in telling you what happens when God gets here. Psalm chapter 50 comes right out, and he tells you right out what he's going to do. And that's exactly what Lot did this very day. So with that in mind, um, coming up here, we're going to have an all, all kinds of alphanumerical. All of the end-time integers are here. And look, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible tells you this is what's going to happen. It tells you that, well, God comes. And there's war in heaven. That the angels are cast down to earth. They try to go back to heaven, and Michael does not let them. War ensues, and the fallen lose. At the end of that war, 
they come and get you and take you to a place that has been prepared for you by God's very feet. It's been literally prepared by he who sitteth upon the throne. This is the event you're waiting for, not the event you all try to figure out when it's going to occur. Mainly because the entertainment industry keeps it fresh in your minds. But I'm here to tell you, God has stated otherwise. Ben? Well, you said uh, last time that we were looking at the birth of the woman. And Acts tells us in chapter 1, right, that um, we go 40 days, and then we go 10 days in the upper room, right? That's correct. So in between, um, in the Alpha New should be expecting that 10-day sequence, which which is um, makes sense because if they're fighting a war, they're not in a position to relocate you. They're actively engaged in combat, and once that's settled, then they can then they can actually relocate you to the place that uh, has been prepared. You're about to read that, Ben. You're about to read it. They come right out and tell you that. Yeah. As a matter of fact, they're on a time schedule that God told them to keep. And they actually, right. well, well, we're going to read it. They get irritated right. because they're like, look, well, we're going to read it. But ladies and gentlemen, you need to pay attention to what's going on. They've been given orders to wipe this place out at a specific time. And lots kind of getting in their way. So you're going to see this come into effect here when we read the, the very next verses. And you're, you're going to also get another picture of, of uh, the, the filling of the whole spirit and uh, that uh, drunkenness. Amen. Because, again, we're talking about isochrono eschatology. You should expect to see the timeline in different places in the Bible talking about the same event from different perspectives. So we're going to point that out, and I would encourage the, the reader, or the listener rather, to pick up Judges 19 and read it in parallel with Genesis 19 and see what you can see, because you're going to be amazed um, at some of the overlap that, that is uh, present here. You want me to go ahead and read, uh, start with verse 12? Most certainly, most certainly. Okay. Then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone that you have in the city? Bring them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry of its people has become a great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out, and sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, get up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed his sons-in-law to be jesting. So, ladies and gentlemen, man oh man, if you all would know and understand this, that Karah's rebellion is instigated from a certain group of people, and here you're getting it both barrels right in the chest. When God has warned you way up front that the ones that are going to do you the most harm are the members of your own family. He has no problem coming out and telling you that. He says, 
brother will betray brother, yada, 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 yada. And, and Christ is forthright in telling you, you had better leave mothers and brothers for my sake. And here we get the reason why. Here we get why. And it just absolutely amazes me how people just don't get it. Ben? Well, I, I wasn't going to say this, but um, the first time this word for gate is used is uh, here in Genesis 19. The very next time it is used is in Exodus 32, 26, the chapter dealing with the golden calf. And Moses literally organizes the men at the gate and says, you're going to kill your brother, your companion, and your neighbor, um, to, your, to your point. Unfortunately, but yes, to the point. Now, I, I hinted at this a minute ago. He have seemed to be jesting. I mean, this is literally, let's see that this is exactly what was going on with Hannah when she was in the temple. And you can't, if you can't see that this is exactly what the men filled with the Holy Spirit seem to be drunk in the middle of the day. If you can't see that, that's literally, the Bible is screaming it out to you that you're supposed to be, this is, they, could, they couldn't understand what he was talking about. Absolutely, but, you know, I hate to say this, but you all have been warned this is what's going to happen. Where is the promise of his coming? For everything continues on since it has from the beginning. Ben, you have been told point blank that is exactly what they're going to do. Right? So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is where it comes from because God already knows what's happened before. And ladies and gentlemen, I hate to rain on your parties. Oh, let me prick you that perhaps your conscience might be revitalized. I hate to rain on your Super Bowl party. God already knows what you're going to do because you did it before. In the face of being blasted from creation itself, you're going to laugh and say, what are you talking about? Where's the promise of his coming? Everything continues on as it has since the beginning. And now you know how he knows what you're going to do. But that's all right. He's got something for you. Because he gets so mad about this, he tells death to flee from you. And I appreciate that all of you watch your Netflix and your, your movies and your whatever else you do. I know what I do. I biblicate. That's what I do. But whatever all of you do, whatever you're watching, I mean, these these uh, famous programs about zombies, I guess, have gotten pretty, pretty popular. Uh, these series about, you know, vampires, werewolves, whatever. Whatever you think is horrible, whether it be, um, oh, Freddy from A Nightmare on Elm Street or... Or, or Jason for from uh, what is that Friday the Thirteenth, or um, you know the the Halloween uh, Michael Myers. 
You don't have a clue. But by God, you'll have a clue whenever he tells death to flee from you. And then he decides to strip off the atmosphere. You want to worship the stars? Cool. Cool. He'll let you. You'll see them all the time because there won't be a blue sky. You'll have the direct pounding of the sun's full-bore radiation. You can worship them up all you want to. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit intense. But I, I'm I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you you watch these horror flicks and get enamored with being scared and the you know the the rush of being frightened. You have no idea, but you're going to, Ben. Amen. Um, something uh, across my thought process. Uh, that tussle at the door. Um, Think there was any chance that any fingers got slammed trying to close that door? There might have been some blood that that got on that uh, doorpost. It seems to me that that would have been evident. It clearly stated they pressed against the door. Look, it, it Ben. It's common knowledge how this is done. It's common knowledge. I mean, we have all kinds of archaeological proof about what type of door we're talking about. And look, Ben, you realize I'm a carpenter, right? Yeah. Um, it didn't have a door seal. You understand that, right? Yeah. You could put your fingers around it when it was closed. You understand this, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Just, just so... And this is all common knowledge, right? Yeah. Well, God's expecting you to use your brain and think a little bit. And, you know, uh, how much force do you think an angel could shut that door with, Ben? However much he needed, and then some. Well, they are directly called stars, correct? How yeah. much How much gravitational pull do you think our sun has? Just, just as a scale of reference. Um, we need scientific notation to talk about it. That's right. Nothing could prevent it. Once you cross the threshold of the false sphere, you literally can't escape it. So right. whatever was in the way, it wasn't anymore. Right. So I just naturally assumed that would have been common knowledge. Uh, it's just more uh, more of a picture of the Passover, more just more evidence of that thought process. Well, you're about ready to get it whenever it says that what was seized. He's going to prophetically tell you what he's talking about in the very next verses, as a matter of fact. Amen. You want me to go ahead and, and start with verse 15? Most certainly. Okay. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. 
And Lot said to them, Oh, no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. I cannot escape to the hills, lest a disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city near enough to flee to, it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor. I will not overthrow the city which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I cannot do nothing, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was Zor. Wow. Um, boy, I could just go knee deep into, uh, I could take us way off course, um, just alphanumerically speaking. But I think about that, I've, I've spoken enough. But, you know, there's something else I, I want everybody to realize. That this word Zohar has multiple anagrams in it. Multiple anagrams. There's multiple anagrams in the scripture for this word. And it's just enough to uh, really rattle your, your cage. Take, take for example, um, one of the anagrams here is H. 6113, to enclose, to restrain. It's in this verse. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone. There is none remaining. Shut up or left at large. Therefore, shut up is an anagram for Zohar. Of course, the very next verse he states, he will say, where are your gods, the rock in which you took refuge? And I could read on and on and on about it. It's in Jeremiah chapter 33, the very first verse. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the guard. Let's take another one of the anagrams. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 44. It means leprous. He is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His plague is on his head. Leviticus chapter 22 verse 4. Whoever of the seed of Aaron is a leper or has issue, he shall not eat of the holy things until he is clean. Whoever touches anything that is unclean by the dead or a man whose seed goes from him. Numbers chapter 5 verse 2. Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper and everyone who has an issue and whoever is unclean by the dead. So, what we're really talking about here is a real prophetic way, with this being included with the issue, of course, of a male that's about 12 years old, aren't we? But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, we're not done. There's other anagrams. Let's go to Exodus chapter 21, verse 6. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an owl, and he shall serve him forever. There, the word for pierce is an anagram for Zohar. So, I'm not going to give any more, uh, but... Uh, if you thought that there was nothing here, 
about this town of Zohar, you're really quite mistaken. And alphanumerically, it equals 366, which we know. Everything has been described. Have you seen Twilight Time here, Ben? I mean, several times we we found out about yeah. Twilight here, right? Yeah. Well, just take note, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, he plainly tells you that uh, they come at sundown. Then he tells Lot he cannot execute judgment until sunrise. Literally, uh, 365 and one-fourth day, prophetically, he's just telling you right here, he's talking about the 365-day year. Because God don't do quarters, he does twilight. That means 366. That's what Zohar is. So, every which way I could possibly explain it to you, he's telling you, this is going to be how, in the future, he remembers what goes on this day when he comes to kick us off our axis and throw us headlong back to the days of Noah. Ben? Yeah, I uh, I, I saw the, the 366, the optonumerics there were, were quite interesting. Um, how about that um, escape to the hills? Uh, that, uh, well, in my spirit, what I hear is take take to your hinds feet. That's what I hear when I read that, um, uh, which literally Lot was saying he didn't he didn't want to do that, and that probably explains what what goes on with him and his daughters later. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is uh, this is the timeline. There's no no question. Well. Let's talk about this for a minute. Um, you're not going to want to take up your hinds feet either. Because you ain't special, Ben, I assure you of that. And when the Lord your God tells you you're going to be afraid, you can take that stuff to the bank. You can take it to the bank. So we got to remember that this is why he warns us about the ten days. By the time the war in heaven is over... And you've been forced to take flight. Revelation chapter 12 plainly tells you what's going to happen. But anyway, during this time of flight, you're going to be scared. You're not... Oh my goodness. 99% of the Christians have no idea what you and I know, Ben. Now we're just expecting this, that yeah, we know what the Bible says. So, okay, God's going to come. He's going to kick us off our axis. Uh, the Earth is going to stagger in its orbit, so we're going to be slowing up and speeding down and changing distance between us and the Sun. Uh, the planets are going to go out of their orbits. Everything's going to be crazy. And by the way, you're going to be – look, ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever been on a boat before and went deep sea fishing or something, you still don't have a clue of how you're going to be feeling. You don't have a problem coming out and telling you this. It ain't going to be a pleasant feeling. So until the escort comes to escort you to Zohar, well, let's give it its real name, what it's going to be, until you're escorted to the tabernacle of David. But listen, you better flee. Now look, 
If you think those stars above your head don't know your address, well, you just need to, you know, have your Super Bowl party and just party on. You better figure that out real quick because they know who has caused what's happened to them. And if you don't understand they're going to be gunning for you and they don't literally have your address and they'll be coming to find you because they know how you are. Oh, you love your treasures, right? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, God plainly tells you not a single thing will be standing on that day. So what are you going to do? You're going to rummage through the rubble, right? You've seen it. Hurricane Katrina... Um, you know, any number of the tornadoes that happened, you know, you know what you're going to do. You better not. You better not. You better do what you've been told to do. You better flee from that address. But I've probably told you more than you're willing to accept. Ben, we probably should continue with the verses. Amen. Verse 23. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord of heaven. And he overthrew those cities in all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the valley, all the land of the valley. Then he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrown when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Would you like to offer any commentary about that? Uh, I would very much like to hear what you have to say about this pillar of salt. You know, I bet you would. Verse 30, reading from the Web translation, I believe. Lot went up out of Zohar and lived in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he was afraid to live in Zohar. He lived in a cave with his two daughters. The firstborn said to the younger, our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come into us the way of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that he may preserve our father's seed. They made their father drink wine that night. The firstborn went in and lay with her father. He didn't know when she lay down or when she rose. And it came to pass on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine again tonight. You go in and you lie with him, that we may preserve our father's seed. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger went and lay with him. He didn't know when she lay down or when she got up. Thus both of Lot's daughters were, child, were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben 
Amnai and his father, the children of Ammon, to this day. Ben? Um, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, um, you've got pictures there of, of uh, Noah drinking, right? Um, being overtaken with the wine. You have um, these two nations, which are going to be a constant thorn in the sides of the nation of Israel, Moab and Ammonites. Um, it's... Um, well, and I also find it interesting that Lot had kicked the habit of living in the city. He wasn't prepared to do that again. But I, I, just in my mind, I wonder why didn't he return to Abraham? Well, that's a good question, but uh, I just find it astonishing that uh, he did exactly what the angel told him to do. The afterthought, <laughs> the afterthought, but he did. Right, right. Even though this place had obviously been scared, but it says he was afraid to stay there. I wonder why. What's your thoughts on that? Why do you think he was afraid to stay there? That's a good question. I mean, the, the uh, in the preceding chapters, it made it clear, uh, the angels made it clear that the, the reason Zoar had been spared was because of him, and that that was a good thing. So perhaps he understood that there were people living there that were evil. Amen. You know, what do you think about this riddle with the daughters and the uh, the father? Because I can, I, I mean, there's no way I cannot think about Isaiah chapter 4. Seven women shall take hold of one man in that day, saying, We will eat our own bread, and we will wear our own clothing. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. Yeah, and I can see where, yeah, uh, not having a child, that would be seen as a reproach in that day. Amen. 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 Because at this point in time, well, their Super Bowl party is over, and they're really up to speed on, do it. well, let's talk, this is why I mentioned this. Okay? Look, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to come a time, because right now you don't give a flying rip about what God wants, do you? Let's just be honest with ourselves. You don't give a flying rip what he wants. You've taken your birth control, right? Right? Oh, you think God don't know that. That's funny. On this day, all of a sudden, all of you are going to want to grow really long hair. And you're going to beg to make the bread. You know, how is that? It's supposed to be an insult, I think. Um, you know, stay in the kitchen or something like that. Oh, you're going to beg for that. You don't see that coming? And the, the whole barefoot and naked thing? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Oh, you, you. And you know what's funny? Is is that well? Um, he basically, you know, he's <laughs> look. Everything is here is going to work its way out. But just like Lot 
thought to himself, you know what? Maybe I better do what these angels suggested. That's how it's going to be in that day. And God don't, I mean, here, man, I'll read it for you one more time. I don't care. Seven will, women will take hold of one man in that day saying, we will eat our own bread and we will wear our own clothing. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach in that day. The Lord's branch will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the beauty and the glory of the survivors of whom God has straightened. Now, y'all might be thinking something else, and I appreciate that. Although, God just told you how it's going to be. <laughs> Amen. Well, amen. I mean, let's let's, let's be honest. Uh, the most beautiful my wife has ever appeared to me was when she was pregnant with with my daughter. There's a there's a change in in the countenance of a woman who's um, in the midst of her pregnancy, and I've always equated that to when Moses ascended the mount and and had uh, private conversations with the Lord. His countenance was changed. And literally, when, when you become pregnant, the Lord comes and stitches that child together in, in your womb, and that proximity to him um, leaves an aura around that woman, um, which, I mean, she's, she's beautiful. I mean, her skin, her hair, um, just, it, it just radiates from her um, in her conception. Amen? Well, I... <sighs> Well, uh, amen, hallelujah. But these things have been supplanted for other thoughts, other desires, other wishes. And it don't make no sense to me. So I, <laughs> all these things are coming down the barrel. I mean, everybody should have been really worried when it was, you know, published that the 70s was the me decade. When it was publicly acknowledged by academia that this generation had become lovers of themselves. But nobody set up and paid notice. Nobody paid attention. When, I mean, everybody knows this. It's, it, it, it's literally common knowledge. I mean, these things really have happened, really did happen. I mean, the, the prophecy has come to pass. Yeah, and that would have been, the peak of that would have been seven years after the peak of the whole Jesus movement, right? I mean, we've talked about that timeline before. Exactly. Right? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> for real. I mean, um, you know, it was uh, published on the front cover of New York Magazine. It's common, I mean, look it up. The me generation is the 70s. Uh, for the reasons that, um, well, Ben just uh, stated. This is the time when self-realization and self-fulfillment became the cultural aspirations. I mean, this is common. I mean, look, man, talk to any psychologist, they'll tell you. Everybody knows that it's common knowledge. The prophecy has been fulfilled. So... I think it's time to end it, I think, with those thoughts. Now, 
Maybe that's a little abrupt way to end it, but, well, it's going to be just exactly like he said it's going to be. And he never had a problem with telling everybody. So we're just reiterating the obvious using the isochronology embedded and really began here in Sodom, in Gomorrah, in that valley. But, you know, <laughs> God chases after what's been. That's what he says. And when we go once around the ride one more time, by golly, you're going to get a kick out of it. Ben, your closing comments, please. I want to just thank the listener for um, tuning in to hear, hear what we had to share. And, uh, again, I would strongly encourage you to Read Judges 19 in parallel with Genesis 19 because uh, many of you I know are struggling with the idea of sending out virgin daughters. But again, you need to understand that um, they were never in any danger. Um, and Judges 19 makes that painfully clear um, when you read these two these two chapters in parallel with each other, which is really a, the best way to read a lot of chapters and because you get the rest of the story, as they, as they say. But God bless, and it's been good to be with everybody. All right, ladies and gentlemen. With that, Adventures in Isochronology, signing off. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.